hearts with me as we pray for the message today. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, God of Yeshua, our Messiah, we bless you and thank you for this Sabbath day. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you um, have given us each a measure of faith. And Abba, I pray that we would be diligent, Lord, to um, uh, see that faith grow in our hearts and in our lives, that we would be faithful stewards of what you've given to us. And Abba, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would change our lives through your Ruach. And we ask you, Peshem Yeshua, and everyone said, Amen. Do I hear music? Maybe I hear angelic music. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> um, a man was walking on a pitch black night when he fell over a cliff. On the way down, he managed to grab hold of a small tree sprouting out of the side of the precipice. Desperately, he began to call out for help. And a voice answered, what do you want? I'm stuck down here holding on to a tree. And I can't hold on much longer. Can you help me? Yes, came the reply. Who are you? The man asked. I'm God, replied the voice. What do you want me to do? Asked the man. Let go of the tree, said God. For a while there was silence. And then the man called out and said, Is there anyone else up there? And that's funny. But yet, God will often call us to do things, and by faith, we have to act on them, even when they are out of our comfort zone. And the Haftarah reading today was a poignant illustration about that as well, wasn't it? Go get jars, and it seems so unusual how God would do it. Why can't God just do it a conventional way? Why can't he make it easy? Why does it always require something from us? It's a good question. And the question is that the way the economy of heaven operates is on the basis of faith. And so we are starting a series called Emunah Chaya, Living Faith. And today we're going to be talking about real world faith. And that's faith that affects us in our regular, everyday life. Um, We trust that this series will encourage and energize your walk because, truthfully speaking, faith is one of the key components that we need to grow in continually and that it's very easy for our faith to be diminished as we walk our walk out with the Lord. And when we understand that faith is so critical and so crucial to our success and our ability to walk in victory, then we'll realize how desperately we need to cultivate the faith of God. Um, When we think of our faith, we often think in terms of our system 
of beliefs as a whole. I have faith. And these systems of beliefs are put into categories like Messianic Judaism, Orthodox Judaism, Reform Judaism, Conservative Judaism, Christianity, and the like, etc., etc. The list can go on and on. It's something, a systems of beliefs or doctrines that we believe in. However, when the scripture talks about faith or emunah, it is referring to a relationship of trust between mankind and the one true God. You hear that? A relationship of trust between mankind and the one true God. From mankind's perspective, it's an organic relationship based on first-hand knowledge of God and our interaction with him. Hear that. Our first-hand knowledge of God and our interaction with him. So faith is so much more than just doctrines. Rather, or doctrines that we memorize and stories that we learn about God and about his kingdom. Rather, it's something we possess and experience as we walk in our relationship with God. Faith is essential. Someone said that biblical faith isn't wishing. It's having real assurance that's based on evidence. Question for you. What kind of assurances do you have when it comes to your everyday, you know, daily walk with God and in the world? Well, let's turn to um, Hebrews chapter 11, Messianic Yehudim chapter 11. And we're going to use that as a launching pad for this series. There's all sorts of faith, right? And we could have faith in a lot of things. But we're talking about here faith in God. And we're talking about living faith. What does that mean? A faith that produces results. So these are important questions to ask ourselves. Is our faith producing? It did for Abraham, right? And it should for us. So God's given us all a measure of faith, but what we do with that faith to walk in it and see it grow is very, very important. So it says, faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. Selah. A few weeks back, we had the Haftarah was Yeshiahu 54. Single barren. It's that same principle. God requiring faith from his people. To trust in what we cannot see. So the barren singing as if she had many children. Something she didn't possess yet she could see. Her faith or our faith allows us to either do it or not. And so faith is really important. It was their faith says Hebrews, that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Think of that. It was faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Because of our faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that we can be, that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Enoch had faith and did not die. He pleased God and God took him up to heaven. 
That's why his body was never found. But without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and that he rewards everyone who searches for him. A couple other translations of the first three verses, because we went to skip down to verse 5, if you were following uh, via uh, tree book. Um, another translation says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. We don't, you know, could I, could I say, just be real? We don't like that. Right? There's something about us that, that wants to have it first. But God doesn't do it like that. He says, in the economy of heaven, we believe it first. As if it was tangible, as if it was already here, as if the UPS guy knocked on the door and dropped it off. That's how we're supposed to operate. That's what faith does. It takes what can't be seen and makes it so real that you're so convinced, so convinced and, and have a conviction of your heart that you have it. That's the type of faith that we're talking about here today, a real-world faith. Another translation says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything, the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Think about that. Faith is the firm foundation of everything that makes life worth living. How important is faith then? My goodness. And not just the systems of belief, but a faith in the living God. It's our handle, it goes on to say, on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Who wants to be set above the crowd today? Only two people want to be set? Who wants to be set above the crowd? I think we all want to be set above the crowd in the sense that God is saying, I'm pleased with you based on the faith that you possess and the faith that you display. In today's message, I will focus on the importance of faith as the scriptures define it. In order to highlight the importance of faith, I want us to see the real world results of faith or the lack of faith. And with that said, let's start with the fact that doubt and unbelief negates our ability to receive the promise. You hear that? Why do I, am I starting with that? Because the enemy is ever trying to get us to doubt what God has said, right? We just started the new cycle of, of partial readings, okay? In, in Bereshit 3, we see God questioning, or Hasatan questioning Chava about what God said, questioning her interaction with God, the promise that he made. 
And so that doubt and unbelief that was sown in her heart bore negative fruit. And it kept Chava and Adam from the fullness of what God promised. So doubt and unbelief negates our ability to receive the promise. Listen to this. I want to take you back to Bab Bar, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to skip down a little bit for the sake of time. And the Lord said to Moshe, Send men to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan, which I give to the Israelites. Key, which I give to the Israelites. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader or head among them. So Moshe, by the command of the Lord, sent scouts from the wilderness of Paran, all of them men who were heads of the Israelites. And they returned from scouting out the land after 40 days. They came to Moshe and Aharon and to all the Israelite congregation in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. They told Moshe, we came to the land to which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. It said, by the way, if you read the accounts that the fruits, the grapes were so large, they had to put them on a stick and carry them with two men. That it was so lush and so fertile and so awesome that God had promised them this unbelievable land. But the people, now here's the the highlight, but. But is the killer of faith. God, I will, but. God, I believe you, but. And what's the but usually? It's usually, God, I believe you, but. What my eyes see contradict what you say. God, I'd love to do it, but I don't have the ability. God, I would surely love to grab hold of that truth, but all my senses say the opposite. So it's not unlike what happens here. This is its fruit, they said. But the people who dwell there are strong. There's their but. I know you gave it to us, but the people are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there we saw the sons of Anak, of great stature and courage. Amalek dwells in the land of the south. The Negev, the Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorite dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanite dwells by the sea and along by the side of the Yarden River. Yeah, we can but. Kalev quieted the people before Moshe and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But his fellow scouts said, We are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land which they had scouted out, saying, The land through which we went to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, or the giants, the sons of Anak, who come from the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to tell you that doubt and unbelief every time will negate faith. If we 
are so easily dissuaded from our faith based on what we see. We're going to have a rough go of it. Everything they said was true. It was real. They were big dudes. As we know, when they get into the land, right? We have Goliath there, and he has, you know, some brothers. They weren't lying. They were telling the truth. But God said something else. He said, that is your land. The result of the unbelief is important to note. We find, we find it in the next chapter, in chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. And look what it says. It says, because all those men, hear me, who have seen my glory and my miraculous signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have tested and proved me these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give their fathers, nor shall any who provoked or spurned or despised me see it. That's a bummer to say, to say it lightly. Their unbelief, they're spurning the promise of God. If you think about it, I believe this happens a lot. God promises us so many great and precious things, yet we tell him why that promise can't be realized. It could be a doctor's report. It could be the balance in your checkbook. Right? It could be perhaps that you failed three or four times before, and that's why you can't do it. Those are all buts. Those are all ways that the enemy, you know, it's so simple. If the enemy could so get us to doubt and unbelief based on our circumstances, don't you know the enemy is a master at manipulating circumstances? Right? He can manipulate. Look what he did to Yov. Manipulated the circumstances. But Yov, oh, no, he wasn't going to have any of that. Now, he wasn't happy (laughs) about what was happening to him. But he knew this. In God, I will trust, right? And all that the enemy was able to manipulate around Job in his life was not going to dissuade Job from the promise of God. Yet, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. I fear for the body of Messiah, truly. I think we have our faith in such a neat little package but yet it doesn't affect our practical everyday lives. We say we believe this, that, and the other. We know the motions to go through. Yet when push comes to shove, any little thing goes wrong. Or if we see anything contrary with our eyes, we're so quick to doubt and unbelief, not realizing that doubt and unbelief negates the ability of the promise to be realized in our life. It's not easy, but real faith allows us to live beyond what our circumstance dictates. And I want to tell you that real world faith 
is the only type of faith to have. Now, the Brit Kaddishah also comments on this passage. In Hebrews, or the Messianic Yehudim, chapter 3, 7 through 12, it says, Therefore, as the Ruach HaKodesh says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, And saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You see, the author of Hebrews is referencing that event in the wilderness. But he's citing Tehillim, 95 verses 7 through 11, which also speak of that event. It's a text that later became familiar through its regular use in the synagogue liturgy. But that would have been already known to most first century Jewish worshipers who recited the Psalms on a regular basis. This Psalm refers to Israel's rebellion in the wilderness and calls on its hearers not to be like their ancestors. Right? Not to be like that. Not to be driven by the external things in which we see. But be driven by our faith in God. Thus faith becomes paramount to be able to operate and enter into the promises. Some of you wonder why it never goes your way. God can't get it to us without faith. Can't. So this is going to be a good series for us to target our faith that it would grow. Amen? So we can reverse what's perhaps been going on in our life to begin to live and really know what it means to walk by faith. Practical faith that affects real... Guys, it doesn't get any more real than traveling around in the wilderness for 40 years. Talking about faith affecting someone's life. It affected their life full well. And I want to tell you, the faith or the lack thereof affects our life. It affected an entire generation of people. Talk about the importance of having a real-world faith that comes to bear on your everyday life and affects us even beyond our life on earth. The faith we're talking about is effectual for us and our generations. Let's look at a a new covenant example, another one about on doubt and unbelief hindering God from moving. And it's the story of Yeshua. Because we have, don't we think? Hey, the Messiah is on the scene. I have Messiah. The Mashiach has come. Surely he is the answer to all my ills, correct? All I need him is to show up in my life and all is well. Well, this story we're going to read says that's not necessarily the case. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his Talmudim followed him and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? 
Is this not the carpenter, the son of Miriam, and brother of Yaakov, Yossi, and Yehuda, and Shimon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Yeshua said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could not do mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And look what it says. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. You know, talk about the opportunity of a lifetime. The Shiach comes to your town. He shows up. Here he is. You've heard of his signs and his wonders and his miracles. Right? And it says they were astonished. But then what happens? What creeps in? It's really, they don't say it here, but it's the same but word, isn't it? But isn't he carpenter? Miriam's? Aren't his brothers here with us? His sisters. And that but kills their faith. The Messiah is ready, willing, and able to minister to all your needs, and you miss out because of unbelief. Wow. How unfortunate is, unfortunate is that? How unfortunate. We can understand from the text that they were initially impressed, like I said, but unbelief started to creep in through familiarity. Then they totally give in to unbelief and they, now they start building a case against him. Have you done that? I know you have. We all have. We start building a case as to why God can't do it for me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm spiritual enough. And we build a case. All that is, is us giving in to doubt and unbelief that doesn't want us to receive what God has promised. The result was that Yeshua marveled, but not in a good way. Friends, we don't want Yeshua marveling like this at us. We want him to marvel at us, but not in this way. He marveled. Basically, can we put it in, in, in the King's English here? Are you kidding me? Are you guys kidding me? Really? Don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you know who I am? Remember, I'm talking about real world faith. Not a systems of beliefs, but rather our ability to trust God when the rubber meets the road. To trust the things that he has promised to us, as well as the principles he encourages us to walk in. So how important is faith? 
How important is it to grow in our faith? Are there promises that we have not yet received? Have we said to God, yes, but? Are we building a case as to why we shouldn't believe? If we are, it's still possible and even likely that the promises are being negated by our unbelief. So, if doubt and unbelief negate the promise, then faith realizes the promise. So here's the good news. I don't doubt that within the sound of my hearing, there are some of us who are in that place even now. We're the yes, but people. Yes, but. I believe God, but. Yes, God, I believe you. I know you can, but I don't know if you want to. And God wants that to change starting today. He wants you to know that we're living in days that our faith is of the utmost importance. And so we have to build ourselves up in our faith. And the first thing we need to do is to understand how important a living, I call this our little toolbox. You know the toolbox? The thing that we get into every day because we need it every day. Faith is a tool in our toolbox that we go to regularly or don't go to that we have to hone. So that becomes our favorite tool. We know how to live and walk and operate by faith in God. Kalev knew how to do it, didn't he? Joshua knew how to do it. They all saw the same thing, didn't they? Ten of the men, their hearts sunk. They said, yes, but. It's awesome, but. It's powerful, but. And look at that percentage. But Joshua and Caleb said, no ifs, ands, or buts. Let's go get it. Because God gave it to us. I'm the, there's no buts. It's yes. Right? And all the promises we know from the Brick Hadashah in Messiah are yes and amen. We say amen. We say yes. Just like Caleb and Joshua. Yes, Lord. That land is awesome. You promised it to us. Let's go get it. What are we waiting for, gang? Let's go. What a totally different spirit than the yes, yes but crowd. Friend, I want to tell you, get away from the yes but crowd. Don't be a yes butter. This is going to sound really goofy if you listen to this. on the. <laughs> Don't be a person that says yes but. Don't hang out with yes but people. Be someone like Kalev and Joshua, right? Let's go get it. Let's get after it, friends. It's an awesome land. See, they weren't concentrated on the giants. The giants were trivial. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is giants, sure. So, you know, that'll be taken care of. Big deal. Challenges? Yeah, that's all right. That's okay. It'll work itself out. Because God said. So faith realizes the promise. All of the promises that God has given to us as a people are available to us 
then we must receive them by exercising our faith. Abraham believed God. Think about that. And it was accredited to him or accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Why is he called God's friend? Because of his faith. Faith pleases God. question to you that you should answer in your heart and in your life and jot down, go ask God, how pleasing to God are you? Another way to say that is how well do you believe him? Realize, think about that, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. That is at the foundation of our atonement in Messiah. Think about it. He set the stage for us on how we're going to procure atonement by faith. Who has believed our report? And everyone who believes in the testimony of the Messiah by faith gets accredited atonement. Abraham was a pioneer, pioneering things way beyond his years because he was pleasing to God, showing us the way it operates in the kingdom of heaven. I know we're Americans, we're Westerners. We want it. We got we're scientific. Show me. That's not the way of the scripture. And that's not the way of the God of the scripture. He says, believe me. Believe me, then I'll show you. So, Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how important is faith? Do you know, I I remember... um, or, you know, it happens a lot. They have these big meetings, perhaps. And they have, you know, a major figure come in and he speaks. And a lot of people of faith go to these things. And then they say, who in the audience of thousands, again, majority believers, aren't sure that if you were to die today that you would be right with God? And hundreds and and even thousands respond to that of believers who don't believe. Don't be a believer who doesn't believe. Okay, side note. So Bereshit 12. Now Adonai said to Avram, get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen and away from your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you are to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you but I will curse anyone who curses you and by you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Real faith brings real world results. Abraham believed and became the father of many nations. How many of us here have our roots in another nation? All of us. That is because he believed God. That's because Abraham believed God. Talking about real world results of his faith, God wasn't kidding around. God wasn't using hyperbole. 
for Avraham? No, each of us here that represent many, many nations have been blessed through Abraham's faith. That's pretty incredible. So faith brings us into the reality of the promises of God. So it's much more than just proclaiming that I believe. You hear me? We could walk around. You know, it's not about reading scripture either. It's not just proclaiming and reading and saying I attend somewhere. It is a conviction, a condition of our heart. It's something that we really have or really don't. Kalev and Joshua had it. They were different, weren't they not? That's how God wants us to be. Friend, I can tell you now, the enemy will show us some really scary things. Moshe, he's leading our people out of Egypt. And now he's standing before the Red Sea. The sea's before him. Pharaoh's army changed their mind and they want us back are behind them. What to do now? That's pretty scary. Moshe's faith allowed him to go forward and see God do powerful things. Don't get scared by what you see. Rather, be comforted by what God has promised and put your faith in him. You see, we believe when God speaks, right? Right? We believe his promises. We believe we have been redeemed. We believe we have been atoned for. We believe we've been healed. We believe we've been delivered. We believe we have been sanctified. We believe we have been provided for. And we believe that the best is yet to come. Do you believe it? Some of you are like this. <laughs> that's okay. No, really, that's okay. Some of you are like this. Some of you want to believe it. But you don't yet. That's okay too. But over this next five weeks, you're going to make an effort to say, God, help me. I believe, but help my own belief. God, I believe. I do. And you know what we are likely saying in that case? This is what we're saying. God, I believe in you, but I don't believe in me. I know you can, but I don't believe I can. And friend, you can. He's given you a measure of faith that you can believe what he says over what you say. You can do that. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't come, <laughs> let's say the issue is your checkbook. You're not going to do it by gazing at your checkbook and meditating on the low balance. You're going to get it by gazing into the great provider's eyes and say, I bless you, Adonai Yireh, the Lord who is my provider, the Lord who supplied Elijah with food from feeding him with birds. Well, there's no way. Like, how could you get him food? I'll get you food. The one who took the widow's jars and filled them endlessly with oil. 
How did he do that? Because he is Adonai Yireh. And instead of looking at your checkbook and saying, <laughs> I got bills coming up. I got instead of doing that, look to God. Because I'll tell you what, every time we look at our situation, dagger in the heart of faith. It's a dagger. And that unbelief so wants to take over our heart and grip it and seize it with fear. Are you afraid? If you're afraid, that's a symptom of that and unbelief. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's okay because you need to know what it is so you can get to it. When you're afraid, that's because you're not believing God. That you're afraid... That his promises are going to come true for you. Friend, can I tell you? He will never fail you. He won't. You got to believe it. But if you meditate on him and not your problem, it's going to be a whole lot easier. You'll have your moments. But it'll be a whole lot easier. You know, some of you, friends, why? You rehash the buts and the long list of why things are really bad and going from bad to worse and why God can't and why God won't and why and let me tell you just do that for a half an hour you'll be thoroughly depressed discouraged downtrodden you'll have your towel ready to be thrown in the ring and say you know what forget this I don't want to do it anymore I know I've been there myself with the, with the towel poised. <laughs> you know, poised, you already throw it in. And then you come to your senses and say, you know what? Lord, where else can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Where can I go? You have to, for your own good, for your own family. We believe the best is yet to come. It may not look like the best is yet to come. So? We're in good company. <laughs> we're in real good company. Not only did Abraham's face bless B'nai Yisrael, but it has blessed all nations. And so, God is faithful to all his promises for us. I want to draw your attention to Luke 18 and 8. Imperative in our day, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Isn't that an interesting thing of all things? He said when he comes, will he really find faith? Will he really find real world faith? Not just proclamations. Anyone can proclaim, right? I could put up a screen and we could proclaim things that are so far away from what our heart really thinks. We could proclaim it. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in you and in me? That's an important question to be answered. In other words, what he's saying is when the Son of Man comes, will he find a heart like Joshua and Caleb? Yes, Lord. Will he find a heart like the ten virgins who were ready 
who believed that he said he's coming soon, so they were diligently preparing so that when he did come, spur the moment, they were ready because they believed him? Think about that. It's really important. And so in, in this first you know, message, I want us to really grasp how important this is. It's important to our future, yes, but it's our, important to our here and now. Think of the promises that God wants you to have access to, not unlike the promised land. Yes, he's promised them to you, but I'll tell you right now, I have no doubt in my heart and in my mind that around those promises are lurking giants. Around those promises are lurking the sons of Anak, men with six fingers on their hand, who are wanting to curse and defy the people of God, who don't want you to have access to what God has promised you, and will stand up and say, no, 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 I don't care what he said, you can't have it. But it's going to take someone like Joshua and Caleb, someone like David, who says, no, no, you could say, I'm not going to have it, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, Mr. Giant. Today, your head will be fed to the carcasses of the birds of the air. And God will win a victory. That is a totally different spirit. That's why you said Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. They had a spirit of faith. Because I want to tell you, God has these great and precious promises for you, but I'll tell you, surrounded everyone. Oh, there's a big, bad, ugly giant that's going to try to discourage you and say you can't have it. You can't have what God promised. And you're going to have to say, you're wrong, sir. God said it, and I'll have it. Let's look at them for a brief moment, and I'm almost done. Yehoshua, the son of Nun and Kalev, the son of Yephunah, from the detachment that had reconnoitered the land, tore their clothes and said to the whole community of Israel, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is outstandingly good land. If Adonai is pleased with us, or I put in parentheses there, or if we have faith in God, that's what he's saying. Faith pleases God. Abraham's a friend of God. He's a man of faith. So, He's basically saying, if you have faith, which he had, if Adonai is pleased with us, or if we have faith in God, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Just don't rebel against God. He's telling you the same thing I'm telling you. Just don't rebel against his promise. Don't say but. And don't be afraid of the people living in the land. Don't be afraid of that giant that's hovering right over your promise. The one with the big ugly teeth that's going to try to scare you into thinking the promise isn't yours. The one who's going to try to scare you into thinking, oh, God could in no way promise that to you. (laughs) No way. And get you to doubt what God had said. No, he said, don't be afraid of that. And look, I love this. This is like great, great stuff. 
Make, make a good movie. This would make a good one-liner. Don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. <laughs> we'll eat them. I mean, think about this guy. Wouldn't you love to be around him? Oh, we're going to eat them up. Oh, yeah, they're big. They're bad. They're ugly. They're mean. But we're going to eat them up so bad. God's going to do something so awesome. It's almost going to be fun to see him do it. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them. And Adonai is with us. After all, Adonai is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of that thing hovering over your promise. Tell them this. As surely as I live, Adonai swears, as surely as you have spoken in my ears, I will do this to you. Your carcasses will fall in the desert. Every single one of you who are included in the census over the age of 20, you who have complained against me will certainly not enter the land about which I raised my hand to swear that I would have you live in it, except for Kalev, the son of Jephunneh, and Yehoshua, the son of Nun. So think about that. God is saying that those two men got to go in and get everything. Because they believed, because they decided they had a different spirit, because they weren't going to be afraid of the giants and the obstacles and the challenges. I know, guys, I want it just like you. You know, God promises that he'll supply all our needs according to his glorious riches. God, can I just walk into the first central bank there and you just, you know, talk to the, to the teller and I walk up, I walk out with a big fat bag of cash and, oh man, it's so good, God, you're so awesome. I'm going to tell everyone to come follow you because, woo, is this, this is a hot diggity dog. This is great. That's not the way it works, though, is it? I give you the land, but you're going to have to believe me through very, very intimidating trials and challenges. But know this, that I'm with you. Know this, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Know this that I could get you everything you need. Know this, that as you go through it and overcome, the faith is going to grow. You know, don't we, we pray really silly things. God, grow my faith. Know what he does? He says, there's the promise, go get it. And he puts a big, fat giant right, right in front of it. Go get it. It's yours. Because it's through that challenge that our faith grows. How is David, we know this, I've said it, at nauseam, but I'll say it's, it's worth repeating. David was able to look at Goliath and say, nothing, because of the bear and the lion, because he had experiences with God over some pretty wild, ferocious creatures that he was easily able to overcome because of his faith in God. If you have these experiences under your belt, when you see your faith getting challenged, you don't, you know, your knees don't start to knock. I mean, listen to their voice. Their knees weren't knocking. Caleb and Joshua, David, knees weren't knocking. They were, our knees would knock probably, but theirs weren't. David rolls up on the army of Israel, trained fighting men as a young boy. And he hears Goliath taunting Israel, and he's like, what's up with that? You kidding me? He didn't work it up. It came from who David was, who had real life experiences of faith with God. That convinced him, that brought a conviction in his heart 
that those truths that he learned would certainly work in this situation as well. You will do the same. I mean, I want to say there's one caveat about Caleb and Joshua that you may not be aware of. Caleb and Joshua got into the land, didn't they? Because of their faith, right? But did they get into the land immediately? They had to endure 40 years. Even though they had faith. So what does that mean? That just because you have faith, it doesn't mean they had to endure every challenge that the Israelites challenged and overcome. They had to be tempted like you and I are tempted. Oh, if God promised you the promise, then uh, Joshua was going to kill you here in the desert. You're going to die of thirst and hunger in the wilderness. And he had to have a faith those 40 years through every wandering, through every challenge, through every test. And it did. It persevered. Right until the last day when the generation before died and he was able to go up and get the land. His faith didn't wane because of hardship and challenge. True scriptural faith is not just saying I believe, but it's proving we believe. Henry David Thoreau once said, if I seem to walk out of step with others, it's because I'm listening to another drum. That's like us with faith. If we're listening to the drumbeat of God, first of all, we're going to look a little unusual, not unlike the widow with the collecting, I mean, right? What are you doing, Rena, with all those containers on the table? What are you doing? Looks strange. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting for God to fill them. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay, it's odd. Right? We're going to the beat of a different drum. To the beat of what God says. Out of what man says. To the beat of faith. I want to encourage you to grow in your faith despite your feelings and despite the reality of your situation and circumstances. In conclusion, we must first understand how important it is to live by our faith in God. For some, their actions seem to indicate that their faith is in science, technology, medicine, And although God can use all of those things, it is still our faith and trust in God that will make a real difference in our lives. Do you want to see the promises realized in your life? I believe you do. If you do, then you must understand the important role faith plays when all you see around you are giants, mountains, and various other challenges blocking your way. It is at that point that real world faith will allow you to see a God that is bigger, 
greater and more powerful than any giant or anything else standing in your way. It's going to be faith that allows you to do it. I believe that God prompted us to do this because he wants to take you from where you are into a place where you have living faith. Emunah chaya, living faith that affects your everyday life, that affects real trials and challenges that come your way, that allow you to overcome it consistently. So buckle your seatbelts over the next four weeks and hit your knees in prayer and say, God, grow me in my faith. Now, it doesn't mean that in five weeks we're all going to be all grown up in faith, but it means that we're going to be right, headed toward, we're going to have a trajectory where we're headed towards something greater than we are today. Amen? Greater men and women of faith who could believe God and trust God even in these scary times in which we live. Amen? Let's stand on our feet. You know, if you think about it, everything we do is faith. I'm going to say a blessing over you. You'll either receive it or not based on your faith. Right? Um, it all comes into play in everything because that is the currency of heaven. It's all faith. Join me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and impart to you his peace. So I pray, Lord God, that you would cause your sweet shalom to just swell in the hearts of your people this week. Abba, that you would uh, grow their faith and their ability to walk in your truth and your promises like never before over these next months ahead. Father, that their lives would improve. Lord God, that their spirits would be revived and energized. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom.